Welcome back to another episode of the Bump and Run podcast. My name is Ben Thompson, and as always, I'm joined by Charles Norman and Ryan Bush, and uh, we got a fun one planned tonight. We're going to be talking about the what-ifs as it pertains to the NFL. Over the years, there's been many different situations where things could have gone one way, but they went another. So we're going to dive into a couple different situations tonight. Stick around. All right, fellas. So life is full of what if moments. It's, you know, it's crazy to think about what could have happened when it comes to a variety of different things. And, uh, you know, this is especially true in sports because there's so many instances that come to mind, whether it's, you know, a player being drafted to a certain team or uh, a player being the next man up if somebody gets injured uh, you know, we just got to be ready for whatever the whatever life throws at us. And, uh, you know, with that being said, um, Charles Bush and myself, we got together this week. We, we were talking in our group chat and uh, we kind of brainstormed on a variety of different what if situations as it pertains to the NFL. And uh, we're going to touch on about three or four of them tonight, like I said. And uh, we would like to make this a series going forward because, you know, it's it's fun to speculate what could have been and talk about these different scenarios and situations. So uh, we'll talk about a couple of them tonight. Obviously, you know, you can think of 5, 10, 15 of these off the top of your head at any given moment. So uh, we got plenty to talk about. But uh, without further ado, let, let's get this underway. Um, brings me to our first point. And I'm going to start with you tonight, Bush, because uh, this is a fun one to talk about. What if Randy Moss had been drafted to the Cowboys? How crazy would that have been to, to have him line up on the other side of Irv? Man, I wish. I wish. You know, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys really blew their opportunity with that one. And uh, Randy Moss made him pay on Thanksgiving in 1998. Everybody knows that famous stat line. Three receptions for 163 yards and three tutters. So, you know, it's... Ah, now if you if you think about it, at the time, Randy Moss probably walked into a better situation in Minnesota than he did in Dallas. Dallas was an aging football at that team. The dynasty was pretty much over. Yes, they still had Aikman, they still had Emmett, they still had Michael Irvin, but Troy Aikman never threw more than eighteen touchdown passes in a single season in his career. And I think at the time, when you look at the prototypes of Terrell Owens and Randy Moss stepping into the league, those guys were dominant over the middle of the field receivers. They could run streaks, and they both had quarterbacks who were able to get them the ball downfield. Troy Aikman was more of a timing passer. He was one of the most accurate passers in the NFL compared to Randall Cunningham at the time, who threw beautiful moon balls down the field and really helped Randy Moss elevate his skill set. So Randy Moss would have walked into an aging Troy Aikman, um, an aging Michael Irvin. Um, the, the team wouldn't have been the same. Would it have been a nice piece to build around? Do I think they would have been good? Do I think they would have made the playoffs? Yes, I do. But would, that, would I have seen them as being as dominant? I, I can't say. I can't say because I don't think the Cowboys were exactly up to speed with 
the modern day game at that point in time in the late nineties, you know, uh, the Cowboys were built off of uh, ground and pound with Emmett Smith and play action um, and, and, and drop back passing with, with, with Troy Aikman. I mean, they didn't introduce the shotgun in Troy Aikman's playbook until later in his career. He was always a drop back passer at that point. So I can't sit here and say that it, it would have been the best situation for him to walk into. I think he walked into a much better situation in Minnesota. And, you know, like you said, uh, with Aikman not going over 18 touchdowns, Moss had 17 his rookie year. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know. He was, he was first in the league. He was uh, third in yards. He had uh, just a, a little bit over 1,300 yards. Um, but, you know, like you mentioned, they were an aging team. Uh, obviously, Michael Irvin gets the uh, – what would have been his career ending injury in 99 against the Eagles the, the next year. And um, yeah, like you mentioned, Aikman, he was close to done. And uh, you know, with, without Moss r- really what the Cowboys tried to do was they tried to bring in a guy in, in Joey Galloway and uh, they gave her gave away two first round picks and this guy blows his knee out in 2000. So um, you know, that, that kind of set them back in terms of finding their quarterback after Aikman, you know, you had a guy in, in, in Quincy Carter comes in at, at, you know, pick 53 in 2001, he had a back and forth battle with Chad Hutchinson. And then, you know, that didn't go so well. So over the years, you bring in guys like Drew Henson, uh, Vinny Testaverde, eventually you get to Romo, who was a third stringer at one point. So. It's crazy to, when, when, when you think about this sort of situation and kind of how things unfolded and how things might have been a little bit different, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that because I, I don't quite think the Cowboys have recovered from that. That was a huge front office gaffe on their part. Um, thank God they had quarterbacks such as Tony Romo and Dak Prescott fall into their laps when they did because both of those guys saved the franchise and as we both as all three of us know up until this point they still haven't been able to capitalize on two decades worth of franchise quarterbacks with playoff success and Super Bowls so I think and nobody can quite come up with the answer as to why they have struggled so much since 1996 that's exactly why they have they had this archaic old school philosophy um, as far as offensive football is concerned. Sometimes I still get worried that they're stuck in the early 1990s. You know, it's a different game. When you let a talent like Randy Moss pass you by, arguably the best receiver of all time, in my personal opinion, is Sherry Rice, but arguably the best receiver of all time, what he could have done for that offense if they had got if they had gotten away from the Norv Turner style of offense and the philosophy he brought, you know, who knows what could have happened. But they didn't. And that's on the Joneses. They've been they've been stubborn as hell ever since they won their first Super Bowl at the Cowboys. That's on them. Yeah. You know, you had the it was like a eight years of kind of meteor mediocrity, really. And uh you know, that also kind of brings you to the next point of, you know, what could have been 
in 2001 if they would have taken a guy like Drew Brees. Can you imagine if Randy's on that team and they, and they, they get Drew Brees? I mean, how special that, that would have been, been insane. Charles, what's your, what's your I, take? I still on think this? it would have came. I don't know if it would have been that insane um, if they got Drew Brees with Randy Moss because he, Drew Brees benefited from coaching. He benefited a lot from Sean Payton's coaching. So I'm not sure if he would have been able to do. I mean, we talk about Troy Aikman being the time and passer and Randy really excelling with the deep ball guy. Drew's never been that deep ball guy. I think would have been kind of quite honestly would have put the Cowboys at the probably at the top of the NFC East back then. That Giants team in 99 and 2000, the Giants were good pretty early on in the NFC East back then. I think the Cowboys were missing a player like Randy Moss offensively. And while Michael Irvin was aging, I think he still would have been, I would rather learn from Michael Irvin than learn from Chris Carter if I was Randy Moss. And coming into a situation where winning was kind of, I mean, 98, they were two years off from winning that last, or technically three seasons off from winning that last Super Bowl. It's, I think Randy would have came there and had a, you know, that big stat line that he had against him. He would have done that to most teams. So, I mean, that play action pass, that, that, that's timing that helps with a player. I mean, that would have helped Troy get um, Randy the ball. On top of that, you still had Michael Irvin back then. So you, you're not going to be able to cover both of them. Defensives weren't like that back then. So I think he would have helped them a lot. Um, it all goes back to coaching, too, because the Cowboys coaching, like, fell off in the late 90s and early 2000s. After Barry Switzer, I mean, look, Dave Campo. <laughs> you know, Charles, and it's funny you mentioned that because I, I almost feel like Barry Switzer was a product of the teams that Jimmy Johnson built in the 90s. He was, but at least Barry Switzer was somebody that had already won in the college ranks. He, you hired Dave Campo. It wasn't Dave Campo, or was it Chan Gailey that came after him and then Dan Campo, Dave Campo. No, I Either believe way. it was – yeah, right, right. Either way, both of them were <laughs> – like terrible coaches. So mm-hmm. you think about that, I think even if the Cowboys, so if they draft Randy Moss and draft Drew Brees, that early 2000s coaching, until Parcells got there, was bad. It was really bad. And then Parcells kind of brought, brought some of his guys there. So he brought Drew Bledsoe in. He brought Terry Glenn in. But Terry Glenn's speed and Randy Moss' speed, I think that would have been a fun, a fun duo to watch. And then you also had well, Julius Jones was the running back, then Marion Barber later on. So I think it probably would have been really good. And you you probably don't get T.O. at that point because them two not going to play on the same team. But it's definitely interesting. It would have been interesting to see how the Cowboys – I mean, they were – defensively they needed help, but you still had captains like Roy Williams and Darren uh, – oh, my God, what's his last name? <laughs> Darren Woodson. Darren Woodson on the team. So I I think Randy helps them a lot. Now, Troy only threw 17 touchdowns in a year, but Cowboys were caught up with coaching. I, I think so. Because they became a passing team when Romo got there, and they were on their way to that with Parcells, too. You know, the funny thing is, though, that even when Romo got there, they didn't they didn't push the ball down the field a lot when Tony was the quarterback. They've done it a little bit more with Dak. 
if you want me to be completely honest, I think Dak's arm strength is better, um, comparatively speaking, with Romo's. But the Cowboys have never really been a team that throws the moon ball, that consistently gets shots down the field, which is why I'm almost skeptical as to whether or not it would have worked out with Randy Moss. But then again, you know, you you, you don't know. You don't know. I mean, you look at what Moss did in 07 and 08 with New England. He excelled in literally every part of the field. So, Charles, that definitely could have been a possibility. And then you look at it. I mean, who did they have to put outside of Tia? Who are they pushing the ball downfield to? Terry Glenn was old. He ain't pushing Patrick the ball down Creighton the field to Patrick Creighton. I was about to say, yeah. you're not pushing the ball down the field to Patrick Creighton. Roy Williams, you're not pushing the ball down the field to him. So you look Maybe at some up the scene here and there, but you know, waiting up uh, the scene, but he was still a tight end. You're not, I mean, if you, if, if Jason Witten's your number one deep threat on your team, you're fucked. Yeah, we're faster <laughs> than Jason Witten. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. some people, tough. some people were saying too that they could have taken Chad Ochocinco as well. Yeah, that yeah. was a possibility, but you know, the Cowboys really didn't start to become a strong drafting team until Will McClay came into the picture because they have really hit on their first-round picks yeah. over the last decade with the exception of a few. So, I think that just would have been, you know, when you talk about pushing the ball down the field, outside of Tia. I mean, even when they got Tia, I mean, you saw it a little bit more, but that only lasted. I mean, it seems like Tia was with the Cowboys for years upon years, but he was only there for a couple of years. I think Tia was maybe in Dallas now that I look back on it. Oh, 06, 07, 08. T.O. was in Dallas for three years, I want to yeah. say. Oh, 06, 07, 08. So you and he had that. an impact. You know, don't don't get yeah. me wrong. But now, would it would it be fun to hypo- hypothetically think about Randy Moss 10 years into his career at that point, along with T.O. at 10 years in his career with a Tony Romo? They, they, they could have they made something out of that, but. Hey, listen, Romo, man, this is just how the cards fall, you know? Romo wanting to survive that. Both of them guys oh, want the ball. Forget about it. I mean, T.O. Oh, was God. crying about calling Jason Witten Tony Romo's BFF and crying about that. I don't think he would survive that. But that, I mean, imagine it. Just imagine it. Having both of those guys on the same team. And, whew, that takes the what if to the next level because you got arguably the second and third greatest receivers of all time with Tony Romo. I mean, that would have been something to watch. And Jason Wynn. And then you got you you still your your backfield too was good. So you're talking and, about play action pass. Yeah. You the know, the, the, the aforementioned Marion Barber, you know, God rest his soul. But yeah, yeah exactly. Peace to him. So it that would have been interesting. It definitely would have turned. I don't know if the Eagles have that dominant run from 01 to 04 if Randy Moss is on the Cowboys. Cowboys. So I mean, he wasn't he wasn't a factor against us when the, he played. He's with the Vikings, and they were one of the top teams in the NFC at that point. But without Dante Culpepper, he just wasn't that much of a factor against us. Right, right. So um, I guess that kind of brings us to our next one, which is also very interesting um, because you talk about a guy like Drew Bledsoe and uh, him getting injured on a hit from Mo Lewis in week two and thrusting Tom Brady into the game. And, um, you know, Brady never really looked back. <laughs> so, you know, what, 
what would it be if if Drew Bledsoe never got if he never got hurt? Um, do, do we think that uh, he would still lead the Patriots to the Super Bowl that year? You know, they had they had the amazing defense. Um, do do they suck? <laughs> Does Belichick get fired? I mean, they had two crappy seasons before that, and uh, you know, Kraft his crafts experiment with with Pete Carroll didn't really last too long so you know they, a lot of people say Belichick could have been on the hot seat but um it's crazy to think about man and then later on in that season you have the tuck rule where Charles Woodson comes around the edge levels Brady looks like a fumble and uh on further review they it, it was the tuck rule um so of course that leads to a whole you know plethora of other questions as well um you know would Bledsoe end up getting his job back would Gruden stay in Oakland what would the Rams dynasty be would they go on and and win that Super Bowl so all kinds of questions um super interesting to think about um it obviously you know it's crazy with with what Tom Brady became coming out of the sixth round uh just something special, man. You know, I was just watching the the golf match with him and Rogers and um, Mahomes and Josh Allen, and you know, thinking about what ifs. You know, what if Brady wasn't who he is? I don't think this match would even be going on right now. You know, I think a lot of it comes down to it being because of Brady. You know, a lot of stuff in this league has been because of Tom Brady. It's it, it, it's something special. So I'm, I'm curious. You know. Bush, what what do you think, you know, would have happened in this scenario if Drew Bledsoe never got hurt? New England would be nowhere near as dominant today as they were in that moment. I, I just I just don't see it, and that's that's not a diss at the Patriots and all of the success that they've accumulated up until this point because. I'll tell you what, they've got a very bright future right now with Mac Jones. I think that he is going to prosper even further this year. I was always of the opinion that Brady made Belichick. And after seeing the Cam Newton experiment in New England, I have since reneged my position on that a little bit more. I I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. It's so hard to tell when it comes to these scenarios. Because you have arguably the greatest head coach and the greatest quarterback in NFL history. And we saw the result of it. Six Super Bowls. I mean, unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. That surpasses any dynasty the Cowboys had. It surpasses any dynasty the 49ers had and any dynasty that the Steelers had. Those New England teams in the mid-2000s were unbelievable. But I just I, – I don't know. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I think Bledsoe was a very good quarterback at that time. Then again, he was also going up against guys like Marino in his division and Jim Kelly. You know, so those are four games right there that aren't necessarily easy. The Oilers were a very good team at that time. And then think about who they may have faced in the Super Bowl. I mean, the NFC absolutely dominated the AFC for years in the 90s, even into the 2000s. 
But then Brady came along, and I think him and Belichick, there was something about that combination. There was something about that evolution that killed the NFC. I mean, absolutely killed the NFC. Because yeah, Pittsburgh was also very good. No, no, yeah. that's all I was going to say. Yeah, no, they were good too. And, you know, I was just going to point out too that New England was committed to Bledsoe. I mean, the guy had signed like a 10-year hundred three million dollar deal or some shit like it it was almost kind of one of those situations that kind of unraveled with uh with brady and grappolo years later where you have craft connected to to one man and brady and you have belichick who has this connection with jimmy g wanting to be the, the next greatest thing and to to let brady go and you know prosper somewhere else and let's see what Jimmy G can do for the Patriots. And ultimately, you know, that never came to fruition, but um, I think it was a similar situation in the case of, of blood. and, and Brady. And um, I, I think if he, if he didn't get injured, I think that there would have been uh, you know, there would have been a quarterback battle. Uh, you look at the way Brady played in that preseason. Um, he was, he was amazing. I mean, he played lights out. I, I think there would have been a genuine battle between those guys. And, um, you know, maybe the tuck rule game never happens. Maybe Bledsoe gets his position back. Um, maybe he's still not recovering as well from the injury. They're losing games midseason. And maybe they don't even make the playoffs, which, you know, that just leads into a whole other situation and a whole other set of questions. Like I said, you know, with the tuck rule game, like, if that doesn't happen, you know what I mean? Like think of John Gruden. Um, he ends up going to the Buccaneers. Do you think he might've, uh, you think Al Davis might've kept him around? And um, like I mentioned too, you know, Rams dynasty, like do the Rams go on and win that Super Bowl? Do they play the Raiders? Do they play the Steelers? Like Charles, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to get your, your take on the situation as well. Oh, I'm thinking, I'm going to start with Gruden. I don't know if the tuck rule is the reason why he left Oakland. He didn't leave. Actually, he didn't leave Oakland. So let's start with that. He got traded. Right. Yeah, he was traded. <laughs> this is a big difference. What if that do the Raiders go on? Because remember, the Raiders went to the Super Bowl the next year. Do they go on to face the Rams in the Super Bowl? Because I Pittsburgh was known at that time for losing AFC championships at home. So I don't think they would have won. But imagine if the Raiders went and faced the Rams with how good that Raiders team was. Seasoned quarterback in Rich Gannon, Gruden um, had the quarterback, that type of quarterback that he liked. Would they have been able to beat the Rams or would the Rams have won that Super Bowl? Would the Raiders have been as prepared for the Rams as the Patriots were? Because that regular season matchup really allowed the Patriots to feel like they can even stand in the same arena as the Rams. Although they lost that game, still made them think, okay, we can, this is what the best that the league's got. We're, we're in pretty good shape here. And then if Bledsoe never got hurt, the Patriots don't even make the playoffs if he plays that full season. What happened the two years before then? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> if Bledsoe doesn't get hurt, I mean, Belichick's probably not even in the league anymore. Think about that. Right. Bledsoe never get hurt. Brady may, have, Brady may not even be in the league anymore. He may not have never gotten a shot. He was a six-round quarterback. Not a lot of people were going to be looking for 
to trade for a six-round quarterback. They weren't looking to draft him. They wouldn't have been looking to trade for him. Right, especially given, you know, the everybody's seen the com, the combine notes. Everybody's seen yeah. what was written about Brady. You, you know, you look at that lanky-ass photo of him that has become so popular, and it's just like... And the stuff wasn't inaccurate, the stuff that was written about him. No, Just no. Based, you know, based off of the combine performance. But then you also look at Brady as a college football player, and he was just a winner. The guy was just a winner. He faced his adversity before being a starter and then not being a starter. But then I think it would be interesting because let's, let's, let's look at it this way. Raiders go to the Super Bowl, they lose to the Rams, or they beat the Rams. What if they became the new dynasty? Because they went back the next year. And let's say, uh, now, I highly doubt Al Davis trades Gruden if they won that Super Bowl. Right. I, I right? don't think so. Yeah, I mean, why would you? Yeah. So then they go back next year, and I think they beat the Bucks, or the Bucks don't even make it. If the Bucs have Tony Dungy, maybe the Bucs lose to the Eagles again, as they did the last three years or the last two or three years in the playoffs. So maybe you have the Raiders versus the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And does Gruden beat them? And do they become that dynasty? Like it's because after that 2002 season, the Raiders just went away. <laughs> right. <laughs> they got really bad for them. Like, yeah. And I saw something even as like far-fetched enough to to point out the fact that like you just mentioned with Tony Dungy, obviously. He he leaves the Buccaneers and he he goes over to the Colts and um, you know starts some some winning ways with a guy like Peyton Manning. Uh, you know, what if that never happened? You know what I mean? Like exactly because the, the girl he was, yeah, yeah. Dungeon gets to the NFC Championship. The Bucks keep him. They don't have the opportunity to get Gruden because Gruden just wins the Super Bowl. So then Peyton Manning doesn't get that coach that he needs. And maybe I mean Jim Morris still would have gotten fired, but who would have went there? Like. Maybe, you know, after the Rams, oh, my God, this is about to get crazy. Maybe after the Rams lose that Super Bowl or win that Super Bowl, Lovey Smith is hired to the Colts because he was the hot defensive coordinator at that time. Or fuck it, Marvin Lewis. Yeah. So what happens to Peyton Manning's career when Marvin Lewis is his head coach? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, just think about that. That's it. I just went down a rabbit hole there. I'm sorry. But, like, all that stuff, like – what if that happens? But either way, like, what if, what if the Rams win that Super Bowl, and you know, um, Lovey Smith's the hottest coaching candidate on the coaching carousel, but he goes to the Bucks, or he goes to the Colts, or he goes to any other team. I think the Panthers were looking for a new coach that year, if I'm not mistaken, because George Seifert was done. Well, he went to the Panthers. Like, this is so much. Or if, you know, or if New England kind of fell off and Belichick has his third crappy season in a row, Kraft lets go of him. You bring in a guy like Lovey Smith to New England, uh, you know, that would have changed things drastically as well. So it's crazy when you think about these kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely go down a rabbit hole for sure. But uh, you just look at it that way. Oh, fuck it. What if? The Raiders don't win the Super Bowl, and Al Davis is like, I'm trading this guy. He trades John and he trades John Gruden over to the Patriots. Right? How would that work out? <laughs> Especially after what had just happened. <laughs> yeah, you know? how would that? But that—that's that, good TV. 
Yeah. There's like so many different possibilities, man. I mean, and it's that way with everything. I mean, that, that kind of shit can still happen today. I mean, you fast forward, I know we're talking early two thousands, but fast forward to 2017 uh, when a guy like Patrick Mahomes comes into the league, um, he was there for the bears to take. And, uh, the Bears give away four picks to move up one spot and they take Mitch Trubisky. Now, if they would have taken Patrick Mahomes, how do you think that would have changed things for Chicago? You had John Fox there. Um, I know he was kind of on his way out at the time, but, um, you know, Charles, I know you're a big uh, advocate for Andy Reid and, and, and what he's been able to accomplish over the years. Do you think that, a lot of Mahomes' success comes from Andy Reid, or do you think that uh, he would have still propelled on a team like the Bears? I think Mahomes would have been a good quarterback. I don't know if Mahomes would have reached the heights that he's at right now without Andy Reid. Because if you remember, in 2017, when he was drafted, Mahomes didn't play that first year. I think he played the last game of the season, but he didn't really play that first year. Andy Reid kind of does things, did things in the old school way. Had Alex Smith um, play the season and had Patrick Holmes learn that way. And, and Alex then, Smith was a great mentor, mentor for, yes. for Holmes as well. So you think about that. Who would he have had with Chicago? Jay Cutler? Was Jay Cutler there before? Like, <laughs> could you imagine that? Like, and then you got John Gruden and – who was there before Gruden? Tressman. Remember Mike Tressman? First of all, just a second. Remember Tressman, the guy from the Canadian Football League? Who yeah. Who was going to be I great? remember he was creepy looking. Oller had some great years <laughs> under him. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think about that. And no, I don't think, because Chicago's always, to me, been a defensive town. No matter how bad their teams are, their defense isn't always bad, unless they play in the Packers. But their defense is right around the middle of the pack, or average or above average. I just think, you know, Mitch Trubisky went there. A guy like both of them needed an offensive coach coming into the league is what you see more. And I think John Fox being there just wasn't. Mm-mm. And then Matt Nagy was taken there the next year. But I don't think Matt Nagy was all that good of an offensive coach or a quarterback guru. So, I mean, if Mahomes is taking there, Mahomes isn't getting that $500 million contract or however much money that contract is. Like, he's not getting that. Because he doesn't, he probably doesn't win the Super Bowl in Chicago. Because what'll happen, some, going to a place like Chicago where you got to play the Packers twice messes up a young guy's career. Right. Messes up his confidence and messes up his career. So I don't think his career, I, I just don't think his career would have been anywhere near where it is now if it had that happened. Bush, what, what what are your thoughts on the situation? Do you think uh, we, we would have seen some some great battles between Rodgers and Mahomes? Or do you think uh, it would sort of be kind of what it was even when Trubisky was there? You know, he was never really able to get over the hump. But, you know, Mahomes is certainly a great player. But uh, curious to see what you think about the situation as well. Yeah, you know, I agree with Charles. Do I think it would have been nice to see Brady and Mahomes match up twice a year. Yeah, but would Mahomes have been the same on the Bears as he would have been in Kansas City? Um, no, I don't. And I'll and I'll point to a couple of reasons why. Andy Reid wasn't there. 
Tyreek Hill wasn't there, and Travis Kelsey certainly wasn't there. I think that those two guys specifically have really helped Mahomes out a lot. Of course, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, he's an other world talent. We've all seen the side, you know, those side slinging views of him throwing the football and you know, that, that which is just unbelievable. I don't think we've ever seen that before. His ability to throw the football sidearm is unmatched in the NFL. Maybe Rodgers is right there on those little quick RPOs and quick screens that he throws out. But, you know, other than that, Mahomes is otherworldly with his arm talent. So it comes down to basically the supporting cast is what you're saying. I, 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 would, I would argue that it comes down to the supporting cast. Yeah, he would have had Allen Robinson there. Um Jordan Howard may or may not have been in the fold at that point. I don't know if he was in Philadelphia around that time. But, you know, when you look at a team like Kansas City, they're not a ground-and-pound team. They are based on throwing the football with all of their creative and, and, you know, different formations that they put onto the field. I don't think Mahomes succeeds in Chicago the way he does in Kansas City. I just don't see it. And, again, you know, Chicago's general manager at that time was Ryan Pace. He's been booted out of town recently. He had a number of different opportunities to turn that football team around, and he didn't. And Charles is right. When you think about Chicago, you know, we we think about those – we think about the monster of the midway in the 1980s and those dominant defensive football teams they had and how they shut out New England in that Super Bowl. Chicago will always be a defensive town. And they had a bit of offensive creativity that first year when Matt Nagy was the head coach and Trubisky was in his second year, I believe. I mean, they rolled out some formations that were crazy, but Trubisky just wasn't the choice. And, you know, he's had quite the adventure throughout the NFL up until this point in his career. He's been with a few teams. So I don't necessarily put that on Trubisky either because he didn't walk into the best of situations. Do I think Mahomes would have been a better pick? Oh, God, yeah, look at what he's done. But would he have been as explosive? Would he have been as showcased? No, and I think that's because Andy Reid was his head coach. Alex Smith was his mentor. And 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 Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey just changed everything for him with the number of dynamic things they were able to do with him. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So, no, I don't see Mahomes being as good. In Chicago, I think Mahomes would be more like – what's the most accurate comparison? I think Mahomes would be more like Dak up until this point in his career, if I'm going to be honest. And that's a pretty good comparison. That's no slight to Dak because Dak's been phenomenal. But are they winning playoff games? Are they 2-0 Green Bay every year? Probably not. And a lot of that has to do with the front office decisions that Chicago's made. Yeah, and – you know, a guy, I, I, a guy that came to mind when you said that was I was going to toss out there would be uh, Nick Foles. But I guess I can't really say much about a guy like him because, you know, he goes on, beats New England in a Super Bowl as a, a, a backup quarterback. So I don't know. And then Foles was on the Bears. And now, um, now you know, now you got Justin Fields there. And I, you know, was, was thinking about it earlier. You know, the Bears have this um, aura, if you will. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, that, they, that they ruin every quarterback that they, that they get. 
And, um, you know, for Justin Fields to go there now, he loses Allen Robinson. If I'm being honest with you guys, I, I couldn't even name you a receiver that plays for the Bears right now. So <laughs> I don't know what he's going to be roster on. now. Looks like they're saying Ryan Bush, Ben Arnell Moon. <laughs> yeah. Right. Slots. Slots is back in the fold. Ladies yeah, Moon, Mooney's a fast guy, but, you know. But he's no Tyreek Hill. No. That's the issue with Chicago. I mean, all right, look. They've got Justin Fields, who has every chance to be a franchise quarterback in this league. But what talent have they surrounded him with? All right, you've got Cole Komet at tight end. You've got Jordan Montgomery at running back. They're going to need a, they're going to need a lot more on on the edges as far as receiver goes. They just they don't have it. They don't have it. Allen Robinson wasted a couple of years there. He might not say that, but we're talking about one of the most underrated receivers in the league who wasted his career in Chicago for three or four years. And now he's in L.A. with Matthew Stafford with the return of Odell Beckham unlikely. You put Allen Robinson together with Cooper Cup. I know Robert Woods is now in Tennessee, but with the creative play calling that Sean McVay is able to put uh, out on the field, I think you'll really see Allen Robinson shine. But Chicago has nothing. I, I feel bad for a guy like Justin Fields. Trey Lance is in a much better position than he is. Much better. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to feel bad for the guy. Um, I I really am curious to see what will happen with his career. Obviously, I wanted the Patriots to get him for a a period of time there leading up to that draft. But uh, ultimately, I do think that um, we're in for a good year, too, with Mac. Like you said, Bush, he has potentially a phenomenal career ahead of him so i think the patriots got the right guy but um yeah chicago they they certainly need to to put some more talent around their guy if he's going to be their guy and uh, they got they got some stuff to figure out here over the next couple of years but uh we'll move along uh i think this will be the last one we touch on for tonight this one is is interesting as well because i think about it often and i I told you guys, I remember remember watching this game like it was yesterday. And um, I'm, I'm curious to know what would have happened if Vontaze Burfecht doesn't level AB as he's coming across the middle in that playoff game. The, the Bengals had it. They had every, you know, they, they, they scored the game-winning, you know, the go-ahead touchdown with A.J. Green. And um, A.J. McCarron was playing for the Bengals at that time. And uh, you had Landry. Landry Jones was in for the Steelers. Everybody, you know, shout out to Landry Jones. Roethlisberger was out at the time. He throws a, a, a terrible pick that essentially ended the game. And then you have Jeremy Hill fumble the ball, which sets the Steelers back up to, to start driving down the field. And uh, one thing leads to another, um, you know, Perfect, just absolutely levels AB as he comes across the middle and uh, 15 yard penalty puts Boswell into field goal range. And that, w- that was all she wrote. Steelers go on to win that game and uh, Marvin Lewis doesn't get his playoff victory. So 
uh, you know, that, that game just makes me wonder, you know, obviously they, you know, the Bengals would have gone on to play Denver who were, were, were hot at the time. And, um, you know, I don't think the Bengals would have made it beyond them, but, uh, you, you also got to think what that did to a guy like AB where, you know, we, we've seen some of his antics over the years and some of his blowups and, uh, you know, did, did that scar a guy like him? Did that, you know, rip him apart at least a little bit mentally? Um, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? I think the Bengals would have just lost next week anyway because that was Peyton Manning's Super Bowl to have. So I mean, yeah, the script was already written for that. Yeah, right? I, I, re- I really do believe that about that football season, but it was. So um, <laughs> it, it was his last rodeo. I remember him saying that to Belichick. Remember the mic up? This is my last rodeo. I was like, yeah. We already know you're about to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I, I don't think Cam Newton diving away from the fumble. Like, come on, man. Seriously. I mean, hey, that's another topic for that. another that's time. Let's not get into that. Yeah. That's not good. But, I mean, it is a part of this. I mean, what if the Bengals do go on to beat Denver? <laughs> then that the Patriots are back in the Super Bowl. Right? <laughs> Playing against then, Cam. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you think about that. But, no. I think Devontae's perfect hit was just – stupid. Like you said, the Bengals had the game won, but I mean, it wouldn't have meant anything. It was a meaningless, that game was meaningless for both teams because you weren't going to win that next week. Although the Steelers had a chance in that game, I must say that Antonio Brown was playing, they might have won, but then we know what happened to them the next week because they have played New England in the playoffs. It's over for them. So, you know, I think on a, on a in the larger scheme of things, and then Antonio Brown. I think the next year, no, two years later, he almost led the league in receiving, and was about to be up there for um, MVP if he didn't get hurt against the Patriots. Um, so I don't know. I don't think this one goes as far as the other ones that we talked about because they were going to lose anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> still interesting nonetheless though no it is interesting but i think you know do the Bengals give i think one of the things i was thinking about when we we wrote this one would the Bengals have given off a better fight for against the broncos would they have been a better matchup would andy dalt have been playing the next week like that's something to really think about i mean if andy dalton's playing the next week do they have a real chance if antonio brown played do the steelers have a real chance steelers didn't even really have a running back at that point i forgot the guy's name and he he was like doing well, and then he fumbled in that game. So I just wonder <laughs> about it. Yeah, and then you know, like I said, too, it's obviously a long shot, but you know, I I, I certainly think a hit like that definitely messes a guy up in the mind. Um, I, I I think there's no question that Antonio Brown has uh, had some some negative effects from that if you will um you know we we like i said we've seen some of his antics over the years uh you know some of the shit he pulled um as it pertained to to leaving the steelers he went to the raiders for like a fucking cup of coffee fizzled his way out of there had some celebratory video on uh on social media as, as soon as he found out he was released and Comes to New England, of all places. I mean, I was fired up when that happened. I 
I remember calling my dad like, we just fucking got AB. Like, can you imagine what the connection between him and Brady is? And, you know, then then some allegations come out that Antonio Brown was, um, you know, messing around with his, his personal trainer. And uh, he was also being investigated for some other stuff out in Los Angeles. So I don't know. A guy like that, I think he should definitely still be um, – still be in the league. I don't think he's going to be coming back anytime soon. Uh, he, he, he goes to the Buccaneers and uh, he scores in, in the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl with Brady. I mean, it's c- just crazy to think about what has occurred and, and what could have occurred. Bush, do you have any uh, anything to add on that? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'll start it off with talking about Vontez Burfecht. As talented as a linebacker as he was, probably one of the best in the league at one point, incredibly stupid. He was an incredibly stupid football player. And I'll give you two examples why. One of them we just discussed, the hit on Antonio Brown. And you guys remember the hit he put on Devontae Adams on Thursday Night Football? when he played for Chicago. Yeah. That tells you all you need to know. He Vontez Perfect may have been one of the best linebackers in the league at one point. But he also felt the need to just absolutely level and behead every single guy who came over the middle, which is probably what you're supposed to do as a linebacker or a safety, but not to the point where you critically injure somebody Or in Antonio Brown's case, listen, guys, I don't like to speculate. I don't like to make it seem like Antonio Brown is dealing with mental health issues or anything of that nature. Because quite honestly, when we come down to the facts of it, none of us are therapists. None of us know what's going through his head. I don't think we're in a position where we can say, hey, this guy needs help. He may seem like he needs help, but we don't really know that. And I'm not defending Antonio Brown because I'll be completely honest. I'm going to say this flat out. I think he's a total fucking asshole. I don't like Antonio Brown one goddamn bit for a number of reasons. But that hit may have something to do with the way he's acting right now. There's no question about it. If Vontez Burfecht does not level him the way he does, Cincinnati has that game in the bag. But Vontez Burfecht was, and there were a number of instances that you could point to throughout his career, he was way too overly emotional. He let his head get away from him. He cost both of his teams that he played for, and I think he played for a couple, multiple chances to win the game because he could not compose himself. So I think Cincinnati goes on and wins that game. We can argue that it was scripted, that it was Peyton Manning's last year, and it was meant to be. You know, look, guys, you could say the same thing about Michael Strahan. You could say the same thing about Ray Lewis. We'll never know. We'll never, ever know whether or not it's fixed. It's fun to speculate. It's fun to talk about. May there be some truth behind it? Absolutely. But I think Cincinnati wins that game. They go on to play Denver. I think that would have been a very good game in the AFC Championship. Or, no, that would not have been the AFC Championship. Would that have been the divisional round? That would have been the divisional 
And then guess what? Maybe they play New England and, you know, Brady walks right into Carolina. We'll see what happens. A lot of fun to speculate, but um, Vontez Perfect blew it for them. Thank God Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and their entire supporting cast fell into their lap because Andy Dalton certainly wasn't getting the job done at that point. Maybe he was. Dalton was a very good quarterback in the league at that time. But after that, no, absolutely not. Yeah, no question, man. I mean, uh, like you said, it is fun to speculate. Um, And like I said, we want to make this into a series. So if you guys are listening to this episode and uh, you guys have different situations in mind, um, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, We're always available for, for some conversation on social media. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. We're on everything. We're on Facebook, um, bump and run underscore pod. And like I said, don't hesitate to reach out. Tell us what you think might have been interesting and, uh, you know, give us some, some situations that you think might have been fun to speculate. And uh, maybe we'll talk about them on a future episode. But uh, I think that's going to wrap this episode up for this week. Again, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll be looking forward to getting another one out to you next week. So thanks for tuning in.